Welcome to Group Talk, a podcast conversation focused on relevant issues for leaders of small group ministries. Whether you are a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you are a lay leader or staff, we want to encourage, equip, and challenge you to thrive in your ministry context. The Small Group Network exists to inspire, inform, support, and resource one another because we are better together. Now, let's get ready for today's episode of Group Talk. Well, welcome to Group Talk. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Carolyn Takeda, your host and the Executive Director of Small Groups at Calvary Community Church in Westlake Village, California. Well, Happy New Year. We are so thankful for all that God has done in 2016 to enable the Small Group Network to reach and serve thousands of small group ministry leaders like yourself. And we're excited about 2017, and we look forward to what God is doing um, and will continue to do through this network in the months ahead. And also, I want to say a huge thank you to um, our listeners on behalf of the Small Group Podcast team. In the last several months, we've had a record number of downloads, and we're so grateful for your support. So thank you so much for subscribing and for listening. Um, We want to keep providing valuable content for you that's useful in a fun, hopefully a fun, thoughtful way that reminds you that you are not alone. Um, And by the way, if you ever have an idea for a topic you'd like to see us address, please feel free to drop me a message through our Small Group Network Facebook page. Um, Or if you want to give me any feedback, I'm open to that as well. Just be kind, uh, mostly. And I would love to hear from you. Um, All right, so we're in 2017, and we want to kick this off with a bang. So we asked one of the top influencers in small groups ministry who has so much wisdom and experience all wrapped up in a great sense of humor to come join us um, in this conversation. So with me today is the founder and leader of the Small Group Network, Pastor Steve Gladen. Hey, Steve. Thanks for joining us. Carolyn, always fun to be with you. So it's become kind of a tradition now that we kick off January together. It's a three-year tradition, um, and it's really it's really great because we kind of get to hear your heart for this network and for this ministry. Um, so Steve is probably well-known to everyone listening, but just in case, just want to tell you a little bit about him. He is the small groups pastor at Saddleback Church since 1998, and he has a really long list of accomplishments. You can read that online if you need to. Um, but he has done a lot of different things and leads a phenomenal, hugely influential ministry. He's also written um, Small Groups with Purpose and Leading Small Groups with Purpose, which is now translated into 10 languages, right? Yeah, it's crazy. So Swahili, really? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was weird when I got the uh, latest one in Polish. So it was just like, uh, it's just, it's unreal. But hopefully, I have no idea what they translated into, though. So, you know, it could be... (laughs) <laughs> well, we do have international huddles, so that's great that we have we have those out there. Um, and I I believe that we are is this almost the tenth year of our of the network? Yeah, it really is. We're we're getting into a monumental uh, birthday for the network uh, very soon, and so it's been excited to watch it just uh, go from an idea to uh, thousands of people that are just jumping in and helping, making sure we're giving back to other people. Which is great. And I remember when you first pitched the idea, because I've known you now for, gosh, like 20 years, right? Too pitched long. the idea, and there was like a handful of us in the room, and I'm like, and you had this vision for this global network, and I was like, yeah, okay, I'm in. Not really quite sure, and it's been an amazing ride and such a joy um, and such an honor. So, Steve, here's, you've been in ministry now, I, I think it's safe to say that um, for over 30 years? I know, it's a painful number since 19... <laughs> 1982. It's like... Hey, we're proudly. 
<laughs> I do. I started when I was eight years old. And <laughs> well, given how long you've been in ministry, um, one of the things that we've talked about is I've asked Steve, what do you wish you had known in year one, year five, and year 10 of your ministry, particularly in the small groups world? And as we were talking, it was just so interesting. There was so much good stuff for us to discuss. Um, and we agreed that though our job title and our ministry role may remain the same, but our focus and our attention needs to change over the years. And so Steve's going to share with us five things that we need to pay attention to and work on in each of these three seasons of ministry. And so since um, it is January and this is Steve and we get to kind of mix it up, we're going to do something kind of different and do this in a set of three 20-minute segments on what you need to know, depending on whether you are starting, stabilizing, or sustaining your ministry. So depending on where you are with, you know, in that spectrum, and you're welcome, of course, to listen to all three of them, or you could focus on the one that most hits, um, hits where you are. But um, So that's kind of the format. So now we've eaten up a few minutes already for year one, so we got to get going. So year wow. one, Steve. Okay, so... You've just been hired. You're brand new, and you're probably part time. Probably not being paid a whole lot, or maybe your small groups ministry role got added on to some other stuff you were already doing in the church. That seems typical. So, in year one, as you're starting out, what are a few things that you really need to get going on? Well, and just just for clarification, you may not even be on staff at the church. True. You may be a, you may be a volunteer that that's going with that. And as we frame this up, I, I love Carolyn how you're talking about starting, stabilizing, and sustaining, because the 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 as we look through all of these points that we have, they ebb and flow. And as I was going back through each one of these, it was very clear that um, you know every one of them are great reminders, even for me as I'm uh, you know finishing up my 19th year here at Saddleback. So it's good, good reminders. But so starting out, uh, I would say one of the first things that uh, I wish I would have paid more attention to was uh, just building that trust with the senior uh, leadership. Um, you know, it's, I always joke around, uh, but, you know, just, you know, when I meet somebody that I got to really invest into and and learn from, I always go, hey, you're my new best friend. And, <laughs> you have uh, a lot of new best friends. <laughs> I know. And, uh, but, you know, that this is the thing I wish you uh, understood is that that person who's hiring you, whether they're your senior leadership, whether they are your senior pastor or your lead pastor, they are your new best friend. Uh, they hired you for a reason. Um, you know, they, uh, they saw something in you, and you need to let them know that you are their best advocate and that you're willing to pour into them. So it's, it's one of those things where uh, I think when I look back that I would see that uh, I, I was probably a little bit too rogue, to be honest with you. I was kind of doing my own whole thing, and uh, I wish I would have partnered better with my senior leadership. So by senior leadership, there's, depending on the size of the church, of course, so you have the senior pastor, it was obvious, but what about other, say you're walking into a ministry that maybe the small group ministry had started before, maybe had faltered, kind of was stuck. There's other leaders and stakeholders in the mix, right? What about with them? Yeah, same same rule applies. I mean, uh, one of the things I always love to say is, is that it's not a military campaign, it's a political campaign. And basically, if you're set up, however your church polity is, if you have deacons, if you have elders, if you have a, a serving body, if you have a committee, they are your new best friend and you want to get together with them. And and one of the best things you can do is you can just ask questions. You can just be able to lean in and just, uh, you're not the know-it-all. Uh, even if you think you are, you're not. <laughs> 
And I, I could have uh, saved myself a lot of pain if I asked a lot more questions and listened a lot more. That's a great, great point. I think the temptation is you, if you get hired as someone to come in and change and fix things, the temptation is to just dive in. And I love your caution to, to sit back and ask questions and build those relationships. Um, okay, what about the second one? Well, just let me wrap up, too. Uh, uh, Carolyn, when you were on uh, a little bit of a sabbatical vacation, I think it was, uh, uh, Eric and I did a podcast on this. And down in the notes, you'll see a link to the uh, to the podcast that I did on how to build that trust with right. your senior leadership. So I kind of walked through seven areas where you can kind of tackle that. But enough of that. On to number two. <laughs> All right. Number uh, two. Uh, take time to develop a blueprint for your ministry. Uh, I probably went into it just by saying, hey, start lots of groups and uh, see what sticks and see what happens. But uh, again, starting on that first thing, if, if, I, could, if I knew today, uh, if I knew then what I knew today, it would be, what, what's your blueprint for ministry? And start to think through, okay, what, what's that model that I have? What, what is that end in mind? That our church is trying to do. And uh, one of the things that, uh, and again, this is where you could ask questions and just say to your senior uh, leadership around you saying, hey, if we have a perfect disciple, what are they? What hmm. do they do? What do they exude? And and how can this ministry, the other half of Temple Courts, you know, Temple Courts and House to House, how can I help come alongside you and develop all the tools and the training and the people and the infrastructure to make sure that we achieve the model that you want, that, you know, our church does. And I think it's one of the best things when I came to Saddleback is that that was evidently clear of what we were trying to produce. And so um, helped out too when Rick wrote a book on it. And, uh, <laughs> and gave you the blueprint. Five. Yes. Yeah, it, most, it most of us don't have a blueprint from our senior pastor's written a bestseller. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what strikes me is um, sometimes, and I've heard this from other people, like, you know, other small group pastors, where they've been hired because they were successful in a former church environment. Then they go to a new church environment and they try to run a similar model or program, but it doesn't work so well. Um, and then they're kind of in this stuck place that they've been asked to do something but doesn't necessarily fit a culture. So this idea of picking a model, it just seems like it's so important that it actually fits that specific environment that you're in. Yeah, I'd almost say, uh, I'd almost change it up and say, you really don't get to pick the model. The model's already there. I would say, mm. discover what the model is, mm. uh, because it is there, whether your senior leadership is articulate in writing it out, or if they're just, you know, living it out, uh, it's there. Your job is to find it. That's a great point. And then what about metrics? Like, do you just start out with which ones you want to measure right away? Or do you just go along with measuring what the bigger church is measuring, um, what the senior leadership wants? How do you decide? Well, I, you know, I think it's it, it's both sides of, of the coin. There, There's one where there are expectations. They hired you for a reason. So they, they've got something they're thinking. And so uh, that may be more small groups, that may be more Sunday school classes, that may be, that may be something. Uh, so there's definitely a metric. And I think it's fair in, in the process of that first year. I wish I'd have been a little bit more bold, you know, when, when you're thinking through your blueprint and everything, saying, what's success? Hmm. Uh, is, is starting one group in a year success? Is it five? What, I mean, based on what they're, they're trying to do. But what, what I would try to slowly on the other side is 
is move it to not so much the number of small groups we have, but the number of groups that are healthy producing the disciples that you're trying to do. That gets a little trickier and it's harder to measure, but uh, I would I would strongly encourage, you know, moving towards that. And where that kind of stems from is, uh, you know, what's your vision? We always say, what's your vision, ministry, vision, mission, and strategy? And part of that is, you know, the vision is your dream. You know, what what are you dreaming about? And hopefully that's with your, your senior leadership. When you're developing this blueprint, what are you dreaming about? And so hopefully that would be your vision statement. But then you've got to have that mission statement, which is really your purpose statement of being able to say, okay, you know, what what is our purpose for being at this church? What is the purpose of every small group right. that, that we need to uh, have with that? And then the strategy is how you're going to get there. And I, I think if as I'm just thinking through this blueprint thing, it's not – I think our natural tendency is we're trying to prove ourselves in that first year. So we yes. want to go We want to go off <laughs> and we want to find all the answers and then come back and roll it out. And in actuality, what I have found that works, and I tell this to new staff all the time, is – Doing stuff in collaboration, you know, we have our tagline, we're better together. And that whole point of being able to say, uh, you know, get people around you, do it collaboratively because they, you know, there's things you just don't know in that first year that other people are going to know right. and they're going to love you uh, as you build that blueprint even better. Right. And I think we kind of slid into your third point, um, the idea that you did get hired for a reason and using, using that as a, um, a starting place. Right. And you have yeah. an expression about painting a wall. You want to explain? <laughs> well, I mean, the, the whole con- conceptual piece of this is, you know, you did get hired for a reason. So what's that main thing that they are looking for? Your uh, the people who hired you. What what is that pain point that has got them in a place where they're saying we're going to spend money and hire you or we're going to take a volunteer and we're going to give you a platform that is half the church. It's the house to house side that we want you to take through. So by doing that is, you know, uh, one of the things we, we, where that expression comes painting a wall is that when you, um, when you're trying to redecorate a house that you've moved into or an apartment or a condominium, if you live in a car, you know, whatever you're trying to do. <laughs> Can't really paint the car. <laughs> well, you can, um, uh, but it's a little more expensive. But one of the things that changes a look and a feel of a room drastically is painting it. Sure. It's the cheapest thing you can do. And it's the most drastic change you can do. And so part of that is try to figure out what are those small wins? What what are some of those things that can, can get people? I can remember actually when I was hired at where Carolyn's at right now at Calvary Community, there, there was a, a disconnectedness in the small group ministry. And one of the ways that I painted walls was I sat down and every night I called the over 200 small group leaders at the time and just introduced myself, said, hey, I'm new on staff. My name's Steve Gladen. I'm one of the pastors on staff and uh, I have no agenda. But other than to say, hi, I'm here. (laughs) Can I meet you on a Sunday um, uh, at a service? And so whatever your Whatever's the quickest thing you can do, that's the easiest thing you can do. That may be calling through. That may be doing, if they're looking to get groups started, you know, you can do a connection strategy really quick. There's many things that, that can make it happen, uh, but you just got to start small and build on that because there is a pain point 
and you want to you want to alleviate that pain. Right. The, you want to pick the low hanging fruit first yes. and, and get those wins early. Um, okay. So the fourth thing that is important to do when you're starting out, um, you said is to start with small steps, which is kind of related, but actually has another angle to it. Yeah. Uh, and, and from that side, what I would, you know, encourage you to do is you're in this for the long haul. And, you know, uh, having been at Saddleback now 19 years, in some ways I look back and go, oh my goodness, I can't believe where we've gone. In other ways, I look back and go, oh my goodness, why, why haven't we gone further? <laughs> and, um, but understanding that everything, it, it starts, uh, it starts small. And whenever you're going to change culture in a church, there's five phases to that. There's the personal side, which is you. I mean, are you bought in? Are you sold out? Are you? Is this your passion of why you're here? Uh, the next step is relational renewal, and that's when you're getting other people bought in. You're contagious. You're you're building it in. Um, then there is a missional renewal, where the church understands, you know, what you're trying to do. Then cultural. I mean, um, then structural, and then cultural. But what we're trying to say is, you know, start small. Who are those people around you that you can influence? What are the groups that are already existing that you can, you know, you just pour into a little bit more and, and get them going even further? Uh, one of the things we love to say at Saddleback is, you know, uh, you just do an experiment. You, you don't, you <laughs> right. don't, you don't get anywhere by pronouncing something that's going to be forever. But just sure. say, hey, can we start a few groups for six weeks and just see see if they. Uh, take off. I mean, one of the things is, is that sometimes we get into analysis paralysis because <laughs> because when you draw out this strategic plan, it can be overwhelming and daunting. But the thing that I've learned is that in ministry is God never gives the whole thing hmm. at, at one time. Hmm. And that's why we always say it's always easier to steer the car when it's moving. Just start with something. It may not be the right something, but at least do something. I love Ecclesiastes uh, 11.4 from the uh, Living Bible. It says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. That's so true. And what we're trying to say here is start small, because if you're going to wait for the perfect small group leader, they they aren't there. (laughs) If you're going to wait for your church to be in the perfect place for you to try something, it's never going to be there. But just start small and take a step of faith and saying, hey, let me see what I can get. Language matters, you know, just say, hey, you know, it's an experiment. But just doing something. Uh, And if you want to, you can bounce that off some of the, again, I would lean into community, which is probably the people that are the influencers of their church, being able to say, hey, what do you think about this? And, you know, coach me on this. And this is just an idea. You know, what do you think about it? And get some feedback there. That's a great point. I love the idea that you just need to get moving <laughs> um, and not get stuck waiting for the perfect time or the perfect relationship or the perfect leader, all those things. That's, that's really good. Um, and the last one probably is overarching, especially in small groups ministry, um, is about building those relationships in a team, right? Yeah, it's, it's funny that um, uh, I get a lot of calls from uh, small group ministry leaders um, you know, from around the planet. And what I find you, you almost, it's ironic, is sometimes they're the loneliest people mm. uh, in ministry because they're kind of out there 
by themselves. Uh, you know, I, I came up through the ranks of student ministry, and there was there was just a camaraderie among with other you know student pastors at that time. We were called youth pastors, but you know, because every church had one. Right. Not every church has a small sure. group person, and so it, it's important that I would say to you, and this is something I wish I'd done: is go after mentors. You know, just. When you go after people, you want to find mentors for you. Now, one of the things I did is I did call some people that were in large churches, and, and I get they're busy. I'm in that same zone, and, and I didn't get any callbacks. Uh, so, you know, I just shut down, which was the wrong thing to do. But you want to go after people, and, and I wouldn't even go, hey, would you be my mentor? Because they're busy, too. <laughs> That's they're intimidating. Like, well, <laughs> yeah, they're like, well, I don't have time. But just say, can I have a cup of coffee with you? Can I have a telephone call sure. with you? Can we exchange emails or things? But uh, go after um, some mentors that are there uh, outside your church, but also inside your church. You know, um, find the people that are your biggest fans. I can guarantee you, if you got hired, if even if you're a volunteer and you got put into this position, there are people that are in the grassroots that are your biggest fans, and make sure you go after them and say, okay, how do I, you know, land with that? And, you know, get them to be my biggest uh, supporters. Uh, you know, that, something that goes with that, though, is also when people come to a church, they have three felt needs. They, they need relevant teaching and worship. That's the temple courts. They need a relationship with just small groups. But they also need a responsibility. Hmm. And I think one of the things that in this last little segment that we're talking about, about build relationships and team, is uh, I didn't give people, I didn't give them enough uh, to do because I didn't want to overwhelm them. So you did more for them. Yes. And what happens is, is that when they're passionate and they're volunteers, they want, they want a big stake in the game. And mm-hmm. I would, uh, I always tell my staff now, I go, if they're not wincing, then you're not pushing them far enough. Well, thanks coach. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, let them, you know, let them tell you when it's too much. Don't you, don't you say the no for them. Let them say the no is what we're trying to get through on that principle. So, you know, you want to go back there. When I when I was in student ministries, I would I would find all kinds of parents and give them all kinds of roles because I knew if I kept them busy, they were on my team. And in the same way, I would develop a volunteer team. I pretty much I always you know I tell my staff if if you find somebody that likes small groups, find out what they like and create a job around it. Hmm. Uh, there are strategic things that you've got to have. But, you know, I would make sure everyone is dialed in. And then, go ahead. Uh, So I I wanted to just touch on really briefly and do a shameless plug for the Small Group Network because um, in my year one, when I stepped into a part-time small group role, one of the first things I did was to call you, Steve. Because I recognized that I didn't really know how to do this. I was a lawyer. I was not in seminary or a pastor yet. And... Um, I recognized that I needed resources. Um, and so I called you and said, I need help. And you graciously offered your time and you do this over and over. And you've done it for hundreds of small group people over the years. And I think our, the huddles are just such a great way. I was recently at our huddle in Ventura County and it was wonderful to have just people f- who are brand new in the ministry. People have been there for a long time. Now I'm getting up there in years and this is my 11th year. So I'm like one of the veterans now, which is kind of strange, but fun too. And I was getting questions of what, what should I do? I mean, 
in year one, year two, um, mm-hmm. and to look back and, and just give information, you know, not that everything's going to be the same, obviously different church, different environment and all that, but just the basic pieces. And they're like, okay, that's what I thought. And there's just sense of, okay, we're on this, in this together. We're kind of on track. And there's certain things that are transferable. These principles yeah. you're sharing, this is transferable regardless of your church, you know, background, size, denomination, et cetera. Um, we're going to have to do these five things, build trust with senior leadership, um, develop a blueprint for the ministry, you know, address the pain point, the low-hanging fruit, um, starting with step, steps and just moving. And then, of course, building relationships, which kind of overarches the whole deal. So I'm so thankful for you because you got me going when I was like, oh, I need to pick the perfect plan. You're like, just get started. Just just do something. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's one of those things, you know, it was one of the reasons why we started the small group network was because it, it was it's clearly that. Um, Saddleback couldn't be the answer, all, all end answer, because so many things are, you know, just transferable. And there's a lot of people out there, and you can see it all through our leadership team, who are, they can answer the questions better than I. I don't even lead our own huddle. They're Ben and Laura uh, on our team. They do a better job than me of leading our huddle. It's, it's depressing. Uh, <laughs> but it's one of those things where we'll just have to you know, keep understanding that we're always better together and hope these five things can help you if you're starting in ministry. And obviously, you know, we're willing to go further and talk more about it if, you, if we can help you out. Sure. So we're going to wrap up um, part one. So this concludes the part one of year one of the ministry. Um, if you want to talk further with Steve, you can connect with him on our Facebook small group network page, which is awesome for interactions. And you talk about getting a resource from all different backgrounds and um, just like-minded people. It's just it, sometimes when I need encouragement, I just hang out there and I go, oh, I'm not alone. Everybody else has these issues too. Um, and it's just such a great way to engage. And then also you can follow Steve on Twitter at Steve Gladen um, or on his website, smallgroupgroups.net. Is there an S in that, Steve? Is it small? The, yes, because I love, want to get my first initial in there. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, so small groups. Smallgroups.net. And he's got on that page um, 300 downloads that are free. So go to it and enjoy that as well. So thank you, Steve, for joining us. And we'll continue with part two. All right. See you later, guys. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes so you can get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you wouldn't mind doing us a favor, please rate the podcast and leave comments so other small group ministry leaders can easily find us. To connect with a small group network huddle in your local area, read our blog, join us on Facebook, or access additional resources. Visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com. Remember to use the hashtag when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.